Welcome back and thank you for listening to another episode of the Footy Pod. This is episode number five, if you're counting at home. Um, If you are still listening up to this point, that means that I can probably safely assume that you like what you're hearing so far and you're going to keep listening. So, you know, please do us a favor and go and subscribe to the show. Leave us a review, five stars, please so that we can kind of get this show out to more people and grow our audience and just spread the message to, to even more out there. And um, today, you know, when I was looking at the list of 20 guests that I was going to interview to start the show, um, I look at the entire list of 20, and probably this one was the one that I was looking forward to the most in terms of having the discussion. And um, the reason for that is because... This guest and I have developed a a close bond over the past year, two years, and, you know, just the way we met was very non-transactional, so it was very true to kind of how our relationship has developed since then. We, you know, we'll get lunch, we'll have meetings here and there, and sometimes they do have an agenda because now we are fortunate enough to, to work with each other directly, but most of the time it's just to share ideas share information and, and really just help each other to find ways to grow. And, you know, just with the similarities that we have in, in, a, in our personalities and our ambitions and, you know, the way that we believe that players should be trained and taught how to play, uh, I think that, you know, we are kind of a match made in heaven. And, you know, like I said, I'm really looking forward to having this discussion. So without further ado, Mr. Edvaldo Pedro. Welcome on. Man, man, thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Man, quite the introduction. I don't know if I can leave up to all of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, fortunately, I left off, you know, kind of where uh, you are right now. So just explain to everyone kind of what you do, how you're associated with us, and, and I guess how we met. Uh, man, as uh, you have already stated, uh, my name is Edvaldo Pedro. I've uh, been uh, coaching for uh, roughly four or five years now. It's been a phenomenal, phenomenal journey. It's truly a blessing, really a dream come true. I've always wanted to do this, and uh, luckily this great nation, these phenomenal people here have, have given me the opportunity, and uh, I get to do it. You know, uh, I don't know if I've said it enough, but thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity you gave me to work with you, uh, Footy Factory, with the Footy Factory Premier Men's Team. That has been a phenomenal, phenomenal opportunity. I look forward to it every single day yeah no it's been great man and you know just so you guys know when when that spot opened up Pedro and I had already been meeting kind of regularly and and um just you know meeting for like I said before no reason other than just to help each other grow and that that job opened up and there was only one person I had in mind and that was you and it was just so easy I remember when I first brought it up you just kind of laughed at me and I was like, oh, is this guy like, you know, is, is he think I'm joking? Like, no, this is serious. Like, I'm actually looking forward to having you on here. And your reason you were laughing is because you actually had thought of bringing it up to me before I even mentioned it to you. So, you know, that just goes to show like how simple it was to, to figure everything out. And yeah, it's been an honor, man. No, oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I saw the ad that you, you were hiring, looking for a new coach online. And I found myself thinking about it, man, I've always wanted to do this, like, can I actually do this? 
which don't even consider me for the position because I have no experience in that whatsoever. So when you mentioned that to me, I was like, oh man, speaking into existence. It's perfect. Worked out exactly how we planned. But prior to this, you mentioned we had already been meeting a few times and getting to know each other. So it was very easy to agree to join the program because I already knew that you and I share a very similar vision. So it wasn't getting to uh, work with somebody that's a complete stranger. It was getting to work with someone that I've already met a few times and I got an idea that, you know what, this is someone that I can and would like to work with because very few people you're going to encounter that share similar visions that you really want to work with. So that, it's been a lesson. It's yeah, man. Lesson. Absolutely. And, you know, I think we both were really looking forward to the opportunity to extend on that relationship that we had built up through just regular meetings and actually be able to work directly with each other in that environment that we talk about, you know, but we never actually ha had the chance to uh, interact with each other directly on the pitch together. So, you know, yeah, it's been great. So you also run a club, Allegiance FC. That's how we first, you know, kind of got connected. Um, I remember we were shooting a documentary series called Footy TV. And um, you re had reached out to me out of nowhere, you know, because you were watching the episodes. Every episode, I used to watch Every it. single one. I thought that was amazing. And you weren't the only one that was watching all of them, but you were one of the few that acted on it and reached out to me to just establish a connection. And that was how we had first met. So I was very, you know, fast, you know, intrigued by that because I, you know, hadn't heard of you before that. I'm sure you hadn't heard of me before that. But, you know, then I started paying attention to what you were doing. And I saw that what you were doing was the right thing. So I was very interested to, like, see your teams firsthand. And they're much more developed now. Obviously, that was probably two years ago. But at that time, they were still pretty quality teams. And I had, you know, some teams that were maybe a year behind you at that time. And so it was a good opportunity for me to get them to see kind of what the, not the end product would be, but what the product will look like in a year's time, in two years time. So what was it that made you decide to reach out to me? You know, when I saw those videos, initially I was like, okay, who the hell is this guy? What is he doing? Who, yeah. who does he think he is? <laughs> but then I started really watching the video. Next thing I know, I'm on my computer and watching every single video. And then I will go to it every single day. And I don't know where you start. You start posting the videos. But I really like the way you interact with the kids. I like what you are doing with the kids or what you are doing with the kids right? Even to this day. I really enjoyed it. You know, I thought, you know what? I want to learn. I want to learn. And what he's doing is exciting to me. It's productive. So I want to I wanna reach out to him so I can learn from, from him. When he figured out, why are you doing what you're doing? What made you do it? And how can I benefit from it? So saying that <clears throat> it was a no-brainer, I had to reach out to you. It was just a matter of when. And luckily, I was able to find you on Facebook and reach out. And then we interacted in person. But I loved it. I loved the videos. Why did you stop? Man, I need someone that can do it. I don't have the skills to film and be in the video myself. So I need someone that can film. I need someone that can edit. So... If you're a college student out there looking for some work, you want to build up your portfolio, holler at me because definitely trying to get those going again. 
I thought they were fantastic, and doing these footy uh, pod episodes as well, getting this going, I think is going to be a stepping stone to starting that up again. And so, you know, I just feel like starting this is a way for me to, uh, on a low budget, be able to really get all the thoughts and ideas I have out there and also be able to learn from people that I'm bringing on. So you and I both have that just obsession with learning and wanting to grow. And, you know, um, having these discussions just allows you to develop closer relationships with people, you know, and, and also be able to take from other people too and add it to what you're already doing. And I think that's something that's very important that a lot of coaches don't do. They think that, you know, they kind of know everything already and they're not um, looking to from anybody that they come across, whether it's something they disagree with or agree with, they're not willing to accept it and be aware of it and add it to what they already know or don't know. And, you know, with us, like, it's always been the opposite of that. Like, you know what you know, I know what I know, but we also know that we, there's a lot that we don't know. And we're always looking for more information. So, you know, I wish there were more coaches like us out there that that are trying to expand their knowledge and and you know form tight-knit groups with other coaches because I think that that's how we can all continue to grow together um but what you know what is it specifically that that you think you're able to take from me in this situation and then I want to kind of talk about the things that I think that I'm able to take from you and how we're able to help each other continue to develop I think uh, before, I even, before I even get to that, I think that uh, there are a lot of coaches that are very similar, uh, that are doing something very similar to what we are doing, that are really cultivating that consistent growth. I think that one thing that we struggle with as a society is that we let the ego get the best of us. Uh-huh. Where we don't, we think, and some of us might think that asking someone for help is putting yourself down makes you less than when the reality is makes you know, look weak exactly we heard it so many times the universe is about ideas right somebody came up with ideas over water bottle I remember when I was in my country in Angola we drank water straight from a well and we have water we didn't have water bottles like this people sold water bottles but our water bottles are made of plastic bags literally plastic bags that you get at Walmart you get plastic bags you pour water on it tie the bag and sell in the streets. That was our fancy water bottles. To get a water bottle like this, this, this here, you get a case of 24 for like $3. When I was younger, they get a case of 24 for maybe $100. Wow. If you find it. So that somebody came up with the idea. I'm sure in America it was the same way, way back then. But somebody came up with the idea that, hey, you know what? We don't want to drink water from plastic bottle or from the water hose. What if we have a water bottle? And from that can of water bottle, somebody came up with the idea with the TV, with the couch. Back then, there was no couches like this. Maybe they were sitting on bricks or something else. But because of ideas, we continue to grow. But if I think that my ideas are the absolute best, and your ideas are yours only, and I don't like it, then we start growing because I only know so much. Uh-huh. So I want to know everything that you know. Just by talking, we're gonna learn. We're gonna learn a lot from each other right now. So, I think we have to be open-minded and really knowing that no matter how much you know, you don't know anything. You will never know everything. You are not perfect. You will never be perfect. 
it's not matter. It's not a matter of who's better or who's worse. It's just really finding out ways to make us better so that we can continue to help the next generation. Because we're here, we have to figure out what our purpose is. But it's up to us to make sure that we do enough so that when we are gone, the next generation benefits from our presence. Absolutely. Otherwise, then we are here in vain. We just, we stole from the next generation. And I think we're doing that a lot, but really letting our egos, when we find someone that's doing something that's good for society, as coaches, good for the boys, rather than really wanting to connect and learn from one another, we start criticizing. Yeah, I think that that's a good point, and I think just to kind of, you know, maybe um, clarify what you just said, I think that a lot of people out there, uh, coaches or people in general, are trying to take from other people, which is fine. You like part of growing is taking from other people, but. What is it that they're giving? What is it that they're leaving the people around them, the people that are going to come after them? And so it's got to be a two-way street or it's really not, you know, beneficial to you or anybody around you. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's, you know, a really important thing to touch on. I do want to come back to some more of this later, but before we get too deep in, I want to start from the beginning. You know, you were talking about you growing up in Angola. I want to hear more about that, your transition coming into America, when you came to America, and how, you know, the culture was so different uh, in terms of the soccer culture, but then also the the people culture as well. Oh, man. (laughs) Angola, I like to look at Angola as the land of happiness. The United States is the land of opportunities. Here, you, if you have an idea and you believe in yourself, you've got the work ethic, the desire, you can succeed. No one is going to stop you from succeeding. It really goes down to you. You may fail a thousand times, but if you do not give up, you will succeed. The government is not going to go out there and directly stop you from achieving your goals. Angola is, was and is uh, very different. I left Angola very young. My uncle adopted me, my mom's brother adopted me and brought me here. And every often I think back to how life was when I was there. I lived with my grandparents, my aunts. I never had the opportunity to live with my parents. My mother had me at a very young age. And unfortunately, she, at the time, she was not able to take care of me. So her siblings and parents uh, took care of me. One of my parents, one of the her siblings that I spent most time with, besides my grandparents, uh, we lived in a home in an area that uh, was pretty much the slums of slums, kind of like uh, favelas in Brazil. We lived in a home uh, probably the size of this living room, and it was just the one room. There were uh, about eight of us in the one room and that room was the bedroom the living room the kitchen huh. it was everything i slept in one of the best places sometimes i slept on the bed got the prime location huh yeah five, five, five four or five of us sleep on the bed sometimes sometimes we slept on the floor and we slept on the floor this carpet is too fancy <laughs> we didn't have a couch whatsoever so we slept on the floor you get a bed sheet put under the dinner table and that there you go you fall asleep there 
we didn't really have a restroom. Our restroom, uh, if you gotta take a, a dump at night, you uh, get a bucket, put some water on it, take a dump on it, and then in the morning you go and throw in the streets. The same streets that we play soccer on. And the whole neighborhood did it, and you just got used to it. You just, you know, it's okay. It's, just, it's natural. It comes part of, it's part of the body. Taking showers, get water from. To get water, we had to go, and it starts at a very young age. You get two 25 liters. The bucket's about 25 liters. About, I don't know how many, it's 90 gallons. But you had you to walk 20, 30 minutes to go find water. And get those buckets either you carry on your head or you carry with your hand you just go and bring it store the water on those containers and then to shower you just pour that some of that water on the bucket get in a little you get some bed sheets and you mark an area that you call bedroom just pour in that and, and that's how we took our showers it was a uh, rough but despite how rough it was I wouldn't have it any other way. It was special. It was special because no matter how much we struggled, no matter how poor we were, it really made us who we are today. It defined the character because it gives you something that you don't ever want to go back to. And if you don't ever want to go back to that situation, you have to learn to appreciate the principles of hard work, discipline, and consistency. You know, going to school, starting with... Uh, first grade, you're having to walk. As a first grader, you're walking an hour to get to school. And you're walking an hour there, an hour back. And don't even talk about breakfast, lunch, and dinner. One of my favorite breakfasts we had over there was a sandwich made out of bread, oil, and sugar. I mean, back then, that was it. You're having that. You walk around the streets with your boys and you have that sandwich, man. The whole neighborhood wants a piece of it. Everyone's trying to trade you. Yeah, that was special. That was <laughs> special. If you have a breakfast, lunch, and dinner, it must be a special day. So little things. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you said it before I had the chance to, but it just shows your mentality. Like, coming from those circumstances, it's very easy to you know, look at it in a negative way, but not once did you present it in a negative way, you know, it was always, it was always meant for you to discover what lessons that you could learn and take from it, and clearly you have, like, you, you know, those, like you just said, that shaped who you are today, that shaped, you know, your character, and and you know the 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 goals that you're trying to set for yourself. It's like I heard uh, Pastor Joel Steen out of Houston saying in one of his uh, podcasts that pain will change you. It can make you better or it can make you better. How it changes you, it's up to you. It's up to you. I've one of the things that really bothers me. I've seen dead bodies since I was a little boy. Walking around in the streets, you're going to school, and there's a drive-by, people getting shot by the police or whatever, and you just, you see dead bodies in front of your school, seeing friends die, relatives die, and you're in an area that's drug-infested, crime-infested, you're watching crimes happen as you're standing on the streets. There was no staying at home, you have no electricity, you had electricity maybe once a week for maybe an hour or so. 
We don't really watch TVs, PlayStation. All we have, you know, I always tell my friends, toys are, what's the story? Uh, toys are us and got shit on us. Mm-hmm. We made the Transformers before the were Transformers. <laughs> and even on soccer balls, we had to go and pick up trash, literally find plastic bags, and walk on top of the trash. You get a t-shirt, you get a t-shirt, you get a plastic, some uh, ropes, and you make your own, your own balls out there. You plant them tree. If you get hit with that ball, oh man. <laughs> But you have to make a choice. And you're not losing that ball oh, either. That's a, that's a stadium ball. Yeah. It takes a long time you to make that ball. ball. But all that, it could have very easily made me depressed. It could have made me ang- angry at the world. But instead, uh, somehow, thanks to God, I found a way to utilize that as a motivation to want to do better and be better. And it makes me appreciate life a lot more. It makes me appreciate each and every person God allows me to inter- interact with a lot more because I know how bad it can be. Fortunately, Absolutely. being here, things are not nearly as bad as it was or it still is in parts of Angola. But even then, I know that there are people here that still could use some help. For sure. And you're providing it, man. You, you are... You're doing that every day. You are making a better version of yourself every day, and you're helping to make people around you that better as well. So, you know, keep it up. You know, I commend you for what you're doing, um, and that's the only way that you can really do it. That's the only way that you can really, you know, try to do anything in this life is to continue trying to get better. So when did you come over to America, and how old were you at that time? I was about 10, 11 when I got here. Okay. Yeah, I had no idea I was coming to Texas, though. Yeah? How did that happen? How did that work out? My uncle left Angola and came over here with his friend. His friend's dad was working here for a while, so then he got his son to come, and his son and my uncle were very close friends, so he brought my uncle here as well. When he left, he promised that he would bring me here as well. So then a few years later, after he left, he hey, uh, calls my family there. We had the one cell phone, like about this big, the neighborhood phone, pretty much everybody used it. And he just said, you know, he wanted me to come over here. And my mother at the time was working at a Chinese uh, clothing store. You know, she was making about 300 a month, maybe, if she got paid. And we just saved. She came saved. with you as well? No, she did not. She did not. That was too much. Ah. Uh, uh, imagine having a family making $300 a month. Yeah. Sometimes, not per month, when you got paid, if you right. got paid. So she stayed for a few years and finally was able to get me here. My uncle got me here, we came here, and uh, it's been a blessing since. She just wanted a better life for you. Yep. Got it. So, maybe this is a little bit later in your story, but I'm fascinated, I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that you can speak fluent Spanish. Where did you learn to speak Spanish? So when I got here and I went to school, uh, I went to uh, ESL classes. Okay. And I went to ESL classes to learn English. But at the time, I was having a very difficult time interacting with people because I didn't speak English. So uh, Spanish was very close to English. But in the, e- in the ESL classes, everybody spoke Spanish and not English. The only one that spoke English there was the teacher. So you pretty much had to learn both in the class. So I actually left that class speaking Spanish and no English. <laughs> I went to high school barely speaking English. But it's okay because everyone around you spoke Spanish. You know, you playing soccer, obviously, the Hispanic community is, you know, pretty big here in the, the Dallas area. So 
it obviously, you know, worked out well for you and it's probably opened up a lot of doors for you too. Oh man, it's been huge. It's been huge. So that ESL class became a family to me. They were my friends. They were the ones that I interacted with the most. And so from there, interacting with them on a daily basis, then I started watching uh, Spanish TV, listening to Spanish music. And then I used to walk about 15 minutes away from my home to go to a park in Dallas called Hobby Fields. Yeah. And I'll go out there and just kick the ball around. For the first time I got there, we were driving from school on the school bus, and we passed by the area because of traffic, and uh, I see open fields, and I start thinking, man, it's not that far away from my home. So I walked there, and there was grass. <laughs> that was my first time ever being on a field that had grass. Man, I laid on that grass. I was there to Rolling the Rolling around in it. <laughs> and when I spoke with my friends, like, yo, I just... We got grass over grass. here. <laughs> it's just open. Nobody there about me. That's my stadium. And then there I met some people, uh, all the people that used to play there on, on uh, evenings. And I used to go and play with them every single day until uh, a man showed up one day, like, hey, uh, we have a team, you should come play with us. I had no idea who he was, and he just asked me to go, I was like, sure, why not? Let's go. And that's how the whole soccer journey began. Yeah, so you actually really didn't, I mean, obviously you played, you know, back home in Angola, but it was not any kind of organized soccer. Streets. Yeah. It was just in the streets for fun, because we had nothing else to do. You have to be in the streets. Yeah. I actually like basketball a lot more than I like soccer back then. I really like soccer, but is I it like just basketball. there's more, you know, hoops and just basketball availability there? Is that why? No, soccer is king. Really? Soccer is king. But we had one field in the neighborhood and hundreds of kids around. The older guys are playing, the younger guys wanna play as well. You can only play at certain times of the day. You gotta go to school and you know, get out of school and all that. So it was very simple. If you own the ball, you play. The other guys are playing. Right. There's no one go out. There's no subs. You're just out there watching the whole time. Mm-hmm. And basketball, there are a few more basketball hoops there. I used to go and play. I had a basketball. And because I had a basketball, then... A homemade one? No, no. Luckily, <laughs> I'm trying to think of how I got that basketball. I don't really remember, but I had a basketball that allowed me to play with the grown-ups. Nice. And uh, they'll put, just put me in a corner and just shoot the ball. Could shoot them threes. But because I had the ball, I had to be there every time. Yeah. But soccer has always been a big passion of mine. It's king over there. When there's a soccer game on TV, you could rob every, you could rob every single house. Nobody will know because really? everybody, maybe one person had a color TV then. Everybody will go and watch that one TV. And we're talking 2000s. Yeah. That's a heck of a watch party. Nope. <laughs> I remember one time a friend of mine had a PlayStation that was broken and he gave it to me. Somehow we fixed that PlayStation with help of my friend's dad. And that PlayStation, we came to Namoy to train for the whole community. That PlayStation traveled more than most people ever do their whole life. (laughs) So you came over about 10, 11, you started playing soccer, you know, after you discovered the hobby fields out in Garland area. Um, And then how long did it take until you got into a, a, a organized team, whether it was recreational or competitive? It was uh, a few weeks later after playing. Uh, I was playing at Hobby Fields, and a coach at the time, uh, Jaime, showed up over there and 
asked me to go and train with them. I went and trained with them. I had no idea that they were legs or how the legs even work. Mm-hmm. Never wore a uniform before. Never had cleats before. Yeah. So then he just invited and I went. We started training and then he's picking me up to go to games. My family was not having any of that stuff. Going to games and all that. It's like, I don't know where you're going. You just yeah. go. So we went and started playing games and just, it was fun. It was really fun and I was just having fun enjoying the time of my life. I love it. You know, that was always what soccer was for me. Or really, you know, growing up it was kind of all sports until I started focusing on soccer about 14, 13, somewhere around there. But, you know, it was always just a release for me. And that's why... Like, it was just something that I was just attached to so much. And it sounds like it was kind of the same for you. You know, you you grew up in kind of a, a rough upbringing. You made a big move over to the States where you don't know anybody. And you got to just kind of figure out life. And you found something that helped you, helped guide your life. And that's what it ended up doing. So, I know you played for the FC Dallas Academy. No, 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 nice dollars Oh. I, I started with uh, Independiente. Okay. Then I went to Longhorns. And at, at the same time, I started playing for the North Texas ODP team. Okay. And it was then that I met uh, Armando Pelais. Armando Pelais at the time was the coach for ODP as well as uh, TFC, Texas Football Gotcha. Club. I'm not sure why I thought that. But, so, okay, so that's how you got connected with Armando. I know you guys have a really close, you know, yeah. coach-player relationship that's still hold strong to this day what when did you meet him and and what about him just drew you to him so i met armando when we were odp i think it was the u12 u13 season i went to the tryouts and we connected right away because we both spoke portuguese mm. that was he was the first guy that i met that spoke portuguese so that just made life a lot easier because I could actually talk to someone yeah. and really understand each other. So you learned Portuguese at the same time as Spanish? No, that's my first language. Okay. That's what they speak in Angola? Yeah, Portuguese. I was not aware of that. Yeah, Portuguese color in So learning Spanish was always going to be pretty easy for you anyways. It was easy, yes. Very, very connected to yeah. each other. Okay. But meeting Armando, the way that he interacts with people... The way that he talks to people, that he connects, and I absolutely love that man. He changed my life completely. When I met him, I was just playing for fun. To me, it was too like I was playing in the streets, but there was grass, and the grass was the most exciting thing. And I thought about it because I got to play in grass with cleats, so that just made it special. And then I met Armando, and Armando spoke faith into me. He completely changed my life and so much, so much, so much wisdom. He took me from just wanting to have a fun to wanting to be somebody. Always, you know, whatever you go, you always take care of yourself. And whatever you do, you always want to be the best. And it was just so much knowledge uh, to this day. Uh, That's my father. That's my father. But that bond... That we have, which I'm actually going to see him. I spoke with him today. I'm going to see him here in about two days or so. He changed my life. Yeah. And he's done that for me and many other people out there. And the special thing about it is that he does it 
and never asks you for anything. He just does it because it's his personality, it's his nature, it's the right thing to do, and it's what God would want us to do with everyone that we encounter. So knowing how genuine he is and how much he wants to help other people and how much he helped me really open up the doors to his home for me to be a part of his family. It just, I really don't know how to explain it, but it just, it's been special. It's been a blessing. Sounds like it, man. And, and you know, just from what I know about you, from the story you just told me, like, you already had that in you, that, you know, um, that mentality where you're going to make the best of what you have. And all you needed was just someone to kind of just put the icing on the cake for you. You know what I mean? And it seems like Armando is that guy for you. Like he provided you a lot of, you know, confidence that you needed to go out and pursue your own interests and become the best that you can be. I had the pleasure of meeting Armando for the first time. I knew about him before because, you know, he coached the Liverpool Warriors team. And that's how you guys got closer when you played for that team as well, right? That was years later. I played, oh, okay. I played for him a club as well. So you already knew him very well yeah. up to that point. Okay, so I was kind of aware of him. I'd heard his name, but I never actually met him. I had the pleasure of meeting him after one of our FF Premier games. I actually got to play that game. I wasn't injured, fortunately. Although I haven't had the best luck so far in the past two years. But, you know, I was still like not fully fit and just trying to come back. And I just really wanted to be a part of the, the team and just and play because that's, you know, what I enjoy doing more than anything. And uh, that game I played pretty well. You know, I was touching the ball, like controlling the game, but I just didn't have that little bit of like explosiveness and like being able to find like takes, you know, space going forward with dribbles or or finding forward passes like I was controlling the game, but not really being, I guess, um, you know, uh, effective in terms of like creating chances. And, you know, I kind of felt that way too. Like I was adding a little bit something different to the game, but then if I put this extra little touch on it, it would have made me much more efficient as a player in that game. And he noticed it. And I know that he talked to you about it at halftime. And he helps you a lot with, you know, how to, I guess, communicate to us and, you know, just helping you to be a better coach because that's what he wants to do. But then after the game, he came up to me and I'd never met him before. And he just started talking to me and like, you know, telling me that I'm a good player. And, you know, if I just do this, then I'd be even more effective. And, and he was right, you know, just playing a little bit more direct in certain moments, like, you know, definitely have to be dangerous as an attacking midfielder if everything is just to keep possession you're doing a job but you know you're really not um doing your job within the team and as an attacking midfielder like you have to be the one to kind of take the initiative and 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 play that final ball to create you know a chance on goal so I took a lot from what he said in that moment and it seems like he's helped you a lot in similar ways like he didn't have to come up to me and say anything to me like you know, we didn't know each other, but he did just because he wanted to help. And it was not in a, like, I know better than you type of way. It was just, you know, he saw something that maybe I didn't see. And he was just trying to, you know, give me his advice. And and this goes back to what, you know, we were kind of talking about before is I could have easily just been like, no, I'm good. Like, I don't need to hear that, you know. 
But obviously with who I am, like, I want to hear what he has to say. Why not? It's not going to hurt me. It could only help me, you know, and, and if some, if it's something that does hurt me, then I don't have to listen to it. So, you know, for me, like, I'm only going to take something that benefits me. And if it doesn't benefit me, then it can still benefit me just depending on how I look at it. It can hurt me if I take it as criticism and let it affect me mentally, but it can, you know, provide me with more confidence in fighting against that, that potential to, you know, discourage myself just based on the way that I'm thinking about the criticism that he's offering, if that makes sense. I know that was kind of long-winded, but um, basically what I wanted to get to is when you started to work with him closer, what were the main messages that he was kind of feeding you with and how did that kind of help shape you into, you know, now we're talking about going into college and then you became a coach pretty quickly after that. So what has his influence on your life helped shape your coaching philosophy? So instead of, I, I thought I was playing soccer. But I really didn't appreciate the game until I started playing for Armando. And so when I went, when I actually went to play for him, I was playing for a team in Division One in Classic League. Armando had a team in Plano. So after an ODP practice, I went up to him and I asked him, "Hey, can I play for you?" And he looks at me and is like, "No, you want to go play? We have a Division One team too. Go play for a Division One team if you want to leave your club." He goes, no, no, I want to play for your team. He goes, no, 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 you're playing for Division One team. You stay there or you go play DA. At the time, FC Dallas with uh, Oscar Pareja was asking us to go and play DA. And that's when they them. first started the yeah, DA program. They made the interaction for us to go, but I told him, no, no, I don't want to go play DA. I don't want to go play Division One. I. I want to play for you. Yeah. Because then I already understood, I understood that for you to be better, it's not really about the team, the league, the club, you gotta have a coach that cares. Mm-hmm. You have you gotta have a coach that really wants to make you better. And I saw that in him. I realized that when I started playing for him at ODP that he was all about his players. So I had to ask him and ask him pretty much beg him to go play for his team and play know, and he wouldn't let me until finally he decided to do it. And then here I am, I'm going to his team and play no I had just come from a call-up with the, I went with the Apollo national team in Houston, a game against uh, Mexico. Didn't play, but... At got, what level? U18? No, that was a professional team. Oh, really? Wow. So, so that was a senior cap that you were getting. Yeah, with Ochoa was there, Cuauhtémoc Blanco, Chicharito, all those guys there. But it wasn't a full cap. They just invited me there to really get to know me and all that. Gotcha. So then I come back from there, and I'm feeling like, that must be them. I'm, I'm Ronaldinho right yeah. now. And I get to Armando's team in Plano, and I realize, shit, I don't know how to play soccer. It was completely different. Going to those practices, it was just amazing. It was so amazing. The team is in Plano. I thought I was going to be there. I was was going to get there and be the absolute best. Complete opposite. Yeah. It was so amazing that I used to feel, I went to school at uh, Townview Magnet Center first, downtown Dallas. His practice way playing on costume legacy. I would take a bus, a train, a bus, and then drive a bike to get to practice. And I'll go there every single day for two practices with my team, and then the girls, and then the little boys. And it was absolutely phenomenal. 
it was then that I really, really fell in love with the game, truly fell in love with the game, and wanted to be a professional player. And he allowed me to believe and always, listen, you can do whatever you want to do. Right now, if you just go outside an hour per day, every day, just work with the ball, you can be a top-level player. And that changed my life. The wall became my best friend. Yeah. Going outside by myself with some music, that was the best moment of my day. And that was just going there, training, and getting better, getting better. And then you get to practice, and you've got your coach yelling at you, forcing you to dribble and make mistakes, to have fun and really enjoy the game. I was in shock, first of all. When I get to practice, and I dribble, and our mother starts screaming, out the way, out the way. I'm like, what? <laughs> dribble, I want you to dribble everybody. I'm like, what? Is this a joke? Are you, you sure? <laughs> What's going on right here? And then he helped me understand. Hey, listen, I already played. I'm done. I'm here to make you better. To make you better, I have to make you believe. You're good, but you have to believe. Go, try, 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 try. Yes, you lose the ball. When you lose the ball, play defense. But try, dribble everybody here, dribble everybody again, do whatever you want to do. So he just, he gave me so much confidence to know that I have a coach that believes in me and wants me to try. Even when it wasn't working, he wanted me to try. Man, I started watching Ronaldinho and I really started believing that I could do that stuff. Because my coach, Armando, made me believe that I could do that stuff. Yeah. And he just, he then told me, look, doing a good job. Continue to do this, you can be a professional player. Continue to work, continue to work, continue to work. Man, it just life changed. It became so much more exciting. He made a promise to, uh, to help me live my dreams. It became a big part of my life. I've always wanted to play. and then, At the time it was, I wanted to play and teach. Then it became I wanted to play and coach. Because I wanted to go back to Angola and help the kids that had the same experience that I have over here. It's just, it was so beautiful, such a beautiful experience. So then, once he uh, made that promise to me, hey, continue to work hard, continue to improve, learn, I'll help you live your dreams. Man, the hope that they gave me. I come from a place where hope, you better not have hope because it yeah. won't happen. To now, somebody looking at me in the eyes and saying, you're going to live your dreams. And he did, and he did, you know. We work hard every day. He would go and pick me up from Frisco all the way to Dallas. Go pick me up to train me. I will stay at his home and we'll go back over there. It's so much help. His family, his whole family helped me. His son, Armando, his daughter, Andreina, his wife, Clara, his relatives, and other players in the club that were there as well. And just so many people helping. And then the day came. And he took care of me as a son, sent me to Spain. Where we had the opportunities to go and try out with Atletico Madrid, Real Vallecano, Alcorcón. Then he sent me to Portugal with uh, we had tryouts opportunity with the Gil Vicente, Siporto, you know the clubs there. He actually my first opportunity that he gave me, we were literally a split second away from making it happen was a professional contract with the Addis FC in Greece. I remember when he first came to my home and told me about it. I didn't sleep for a long time. Hmm. So he helped. He the helped. Dreams coming true, right there. Definitely, definitely. And then watching him play, or watching him coach and play with us at practice, he just—I wanted to be him. I still do. <laughs> the way 
I tell to my players now, the bond that I have. So I had a, I had a few coaches before I played for him, and great coaches, great people, but very different. With Armando, you have Armando becomes your coach, your father, your best friend, your enemy. You get you get all in one, but you feel excited about being there. Every single practice, we had 20, 30 guys going to our practice. That, you, they didn't even play on our team, but they would go to our practices because it was so amazing. Yeah. Because he really connects with you in a level that you wouldn't, it's hard to imagine. So then seeing that. They just wanted to be a part of it. He gave us so many life lessons. Yeah. Before practice, during practice, after practice. There were times where, so many times, he would stop practice and give us a 30 minute speech. And I, I don't think he, he knows that now, that every time he spoke, I was literally like this. <laughs> and I recorded every single thing that he's told me. He told me one time that I only take 10% of what he says. That's about 90% of what he says, stay with me. Then being around him just enhanced that passion and the desire to want to be a coach. I tried to go and be a coach in Angola, but unfortunately politics kept me away from doing that. Luckily, I got the opportunity to start coaching here. And when I started coaching here, it was just, I want to do for my boys what Armando did for me. I want to experience everything because if I could do it, if I could come from the slums of Africa all the way here and go all the way to the highest level possible, these kids could do it too. Absolutely. You know, so what I'm hearing is like you had a role model in your life that that really provided you with the guidance, the direction you needed not to become anything specific. It wasn't to be a professional soccer player or to be a professional soccer coach, although those were obviously, you know, very much emphasized because that was a part of your lives together, but it was really just to be the best you could be. And, you know, I think the 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 biggest difference between our stories, uh, there are a lot of differences. I wouldn't say the biggest difference, but a difference is you're doing what you're doing to offer your kids everything that Armando gave you, right? I'm doing what I'm doing because I didn't have anyone give me that. And I'm not like, it is what it is, right? But our intentions in both situations are pure. We just want to... We just want to provide these children like the platform, the tools they need to become the best they can be, not just in soccer but in life, and that's what this is all about, man. And it's not the things where it always becomes questionable. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? It's one of the things I really struggle with for a while. Helping people is one of the things that I really appreciate doing. I love it. I love it because if I didn't have the help that I have, I don't know where I would have been. Probably would have been dead by now. Yeah. But having so much help changed my life and so many around me, they just, nothing excites me more than wanting to help others. Yeah. But there are times where, I'll give an example. I was playing for Armando's team. I, I don't think, I never told Armando this story. I was playing for Armando's team. Uh, we were playing a tournament, I think it was in Waco or Cedar Hill. Cedar, it might have been Cedar Hill. We were playing a tournament there. My team finished playing in the summer. It was hot as hell. And then he had a 93 girls team that were playing as well. I stayed back and watched them for a little while. There was a girls 
there was a girl on the other team that was just killing Armando Stanley. She's a phenomenal player. I just happened to be sitting next to the parents, and they were talking about her, that she was an illegal immigrant, and she was going to graduate high school and then go work at McDonald's. And I'm thinking, at that time, I was already a junior in high school, and I'm thinking, she's a phenomenal player. She's got the ability to go home and play somewhere. So then I get home. I knew I remember her face, her age group, and I remember the team uniform, and she wore number two. I did not know the team name. I didn't know how to go and look up who they played against or anything like that. So I went on God Soccer, and I literally played to every single team <laughs> for that age group, looking at the photos so that I could find her. Found the girl, added her on Facebook. She accepted the Facebook friendship request, and we started talking right away. We went on. She's actually around nine o'clock. We talked for about two o'clock in the morning, and we talked for a long time. And I just thought, I just want to help you. And it was hard for her. It's like, what do you mean? You just want to help? I'm not yeah. gonna sleep with you. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, like, I don't even want to meet you. Yeah. I just want to help you. Why? Shit, I don't freaking know. Yeah. It's just I just have to do. It's the right thing to do. But long story short, the parents got involved, the police got involved. I got all her information, uh, SAT, ACT score, GPA, and all that. And I just started emailing college coaches. And just emailing college coaches out of nowhere. Here I am, a junior in high school, emailing college coaches to come and give somebody else a scholarship that I don't even know. Luckily for me, by the time the police really got involved, we had an offer for her. She went to college, and as soon as she went to college, that was it for me. Hmm. I blocked her on everything because I didn't want her to think that I did that because... You wanted something in return. Exactly. And since then, it's been multiple people that we have encountered the same situations where you don't really know why you're doing what you're doing, but it's just the right thing to do. It's like, okay, I see somebody in need. I don't know why I want to help you. Helping you is going to cost me. But if I don't help you, it's going to cost me a lot more because it's going to have so much pre- It's going to add so much pressure and weight to my mind that it's going to be hard for me to live with myself knowing that I could have done something for you, but I didn't for selfish reasons because I was afraid to lose something, money or whatever, knowing that no matter how much money you make, when it's time to go, you can't take that with you. So dealing with people questioning why you help them when it's so hard to explain why, give them a reason to believe, why, why do you want to help it? But how to explain pe- to them why when I don't know why, man, it's tough. It is tough and that is na- it comes natural to me. But it's something that I looked at Armando doing for so long as well. He helped so many people. Yeah. So many people. And never once asked him for anything. You know, I think it's just, it comes down to people's experiences and their perceptions on life and how they were brought up. Like, I think, you know, for people that didn't get a lot of help growing up, they're more reluctant to receive help and ask for help. And that's just natural, you know? And so... Um, people that grew up in an environment where a lot of people were offering and helping in, in different ways, like, it's just, it makes more sense. Like, that is your natural being. And, you know, so 
that's just the the kind of society that we that we live in. I think, and you know, it's it's important that we're able to recognize the way other people perceive that kind of help and approach it in the right manner. You know, people still may not accept it, even if your intentions are good, but all you can do is all you can do. Yes, indeed. But we also live in a society where people don't help you unless they can get something in return. That's another thing, too. So then perception becomes that if one person does it, then it must be everybody. Because the vast majority is doing it, then we start thinking, uh, why do you want to help me? What do you want in return? If it's a lady, you start thinking immediately, I'm not sleeping with you. Why are you trying to help me? If it's a man, most of the time is you want money. Or you, you, they're in debt with you. When it's really just, I don't know why I'm helping you, but I'm going to help you. And when I'm done helping you, move on. Yeah, that's all there is to it. You don't even have to know my name. Just go on with your life. Yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, I was amazed when I first heard you tell that story at practice because I had never heard it up to that point before. So when I heard it, it, it you know, didn't, I guess, um, make me see you in a different light, but it just confirmed what I already felt about you as a person. And, you know, that's that's really awesome to hear a story like that because people don't do that every day. And, and I think that that's something that you should be not necessarily recognized for, but respected for and um because it, it you didn't have to do that and you're going out of your way to help people because you care about them and i think that that's the first step in developing relationships so you were already right there like in that moment learning how to develop a relationship with the player although you were not a coach yet but you already had that kind of uh mindset and way of thinking and so to me, it seems like your transition into coaching was very smooth. Walk us through like the time that you first realized you were going to be a coach and kind of your first steps getting into coaching. So as I mentioned previously, I, I've always wanted to be a coach. It just it became a lot stronger because of Armando. The passion grew because of Armando. I really wanted to be a coach, playing and coaching. Unfortunately, playing didn't go as planned. And because of that, I got to start coaching a lot earlier. I actually got the first opportunity to coach. The first start with Armando was helping him some tournaments every now and then with the younger players. I'll go and fill in, and I felt good. I felt good as a player. I was always someone that would be on the field and guiding everybody and giving instructions. Doing that from the sidelines, it just it felt amazing. During the college days, uh, when I was done with college, with college uh, the head coach then came up to me and asked me if I wanted to help out. And I started helping out then. He then took me to a club at Andromeda when he gave me in 2019. Once I started there... And, and that's pr the group that you have now? Yes. I've some got, of the core that you used to have before? And I've got the old man still with me. Some of the players stayed back when I left the club. But he uh, gave me really the official start to my coaching career. I got to help him out as an assistant coach uh, in college. Then I got, he gave me the job uh, to coach the O-9s, about four kids back then at Andromeda. And the kids were four or five years old. <laughs> so it was really more of a babysitter. Right? Yeah. 
But then again, Armando came back to my head again, where he always said, if you're going to do something, do it at your best yeah. and be the best. So then I stopped looking at those kids and kids as kids, and I started looking at them as soccer players, understanding that they're kids, they're very young, and they don't really know how to play. But how much they learn depends on how much I'm willing to teach them. If I limit them, then they're gonna have a hard time growing. So then you start learning as much as possible, knowing first of all that I knew absolutely nothing about coaching other than I had a passion. There's no better way to get into coaching than to start working with four or five year olds, if you ask me, because you're forced to simplify everything you know down to the bare essential. And if you can't communicate it to a four and five year old, then you can't communicate it to a professional either. So it starts there. Like I think all coaches should have that experience before they move on and coach at any higher level. I couldn't agree more on it. That it was challenging. Yeah. It taught me a lot about patience. It helped me a lot with my delivery. You really have to master the art of explaining things. If you just put cones down and you say we're doing this and this, they'll look at you like, uh, excuse me. <laughs> but that that helped me tremendously. So once I got into that, I started coaching with those with those boys, and then it just got bigger and bigger. And then uh, it got to the point where I appreciated the opportunity that I was given. But the problem that I encountered then is that there was no freedom. And for me, nothing's more valuable than freedom. For me as a coach and for my players as well, I didn't have freedom. I didn't have the freedom to try, the freedom to fail. And that is extremely important for growth. So So before you move on, I want you to elaborate on that a little bit more because I think that that's something important that we need to discuss. And maybe we can get into it more on another episode. But... What is it specifically that you felt you were restricted by being at a big club? Uh, I, I'm not sure if it's a problem with our big clubs. I was only a part of one. Sure. And it wasn't really the club per se because the club, big clubs have so many different sections. They're so separated that it's not the club doesn't share one philosophy. Mm-hmm. And the part in the section that I was there, it was just... I wanted to try more. I wanted to be able to do with my boys what the professionals were doing. And I'll go online, I'll spend hours and hours watching videos and trying to learn. I'll think, okay, so if the kids at FC Barcelona are doing this in training, then our kids here can do it too. Absolutely. There's no reason why they couldn't. So then I started reading, okay, maybe if our kids are not as good as their kids are, we don't say they cannot do it. We adapt. So maybe we make it bigger so they have more success. Or maybe we decrease the numbers, increase the numbers. So they start watching that stuff and learning how to deliver that. And I'll go to practice and I'll start doing it. And it was working. But because at the time, it didn't seem like anyone else was trying, was trying those things, then I couldn't do it. Don't do this. Just stick to this. Stick to that. And I'm thinking, well, I like that idea. But that idea is not going to deliver what I want to deliver.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It became a very big conflict and it was a matter of, well, our values and standards don't quite match. Uh, you know, we, we're coaching, you and I are both coaches. Uh, our goal is to make our players the very best possible. If we're not working to become the greatest coach we can possibly be so that we can then develop the greatest players we can possibly develop, then what exactly are we doing? So then knowing that our values and standards did not match and there was a limitation as far as what I can do, then I just felt like, you know, I can't grow here. And if I can't grow, my kids can't grow, it's all going to fail. It becomes a great business, but it becomes a robbery because now we're just stealing money from people and we're passing on to them our limitations. So it's just the culture at the time, it was good for a lot of people. I just didn't think that it was good for me because what I had in mind and what I was being asked to do were not on the same page. I uh, follow my instincts. I like to study and learn as much as possible. And if I think it's the best, I'm going to go with it. I want to at least be able to try. And unfortunately, then I just didn't have any room to try and I had to move on. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily about the concept of being in a big club. A big a club is a club. You know, obviously, you see a club like Barcelona, they're a massive club. They are, you know, people aren't uh, deciding to not, if, if there's a youth coach that works in their system that decides to go to a different club, he's not leaving because Barcelona's a big club. He's leaving because maybe he wants to pursue something different than, you know, where the values of the club match up with his. And so that sounds like, you know, kind of the situation that you found yourself in and it is the, the main reason why I myself made the same choice in not even pursuing a coaching position with a big club from the, from the get, you know, like that was obviously something that I could have done if I wanted to, but I knew from the beginning, from my experience playing that I wanted to create something that I never had before and, you know, actually be an influence on these kids. And if I were to just go and and work with the same organizations that I was raised in, then I would just be, you know, stuck in that same program. And so it was important for me that I went off and did my own thing and allowed myself the freedom to express myself on the field, in business and just building our brand in general. And so, you know, it sounds like you're re 
reasoning for going that path is almost the same as what mine was. Definitely, definitely. You mentioned uh, Barcelona. Barcelona is known for the way they play. Yeah. It's known for the cultural developing players, but it's really about the way they play. Right. If you take away the leaders of Barcelona and replace them with guys with different philosophies, it could change the whole culture. And now Barcelona becomes known as just another club. Yeah. Same. So really it's about, obviously, the, the, the values that the club stand for, but the people that are running that club too. And so what you wanted to do is create a club where obviously you're going to be the leader and you have the freedom to be exactly what you expected the people above you to be in other circumstances. If, if, if you look right now, uh, Barcelona fire Valverde. Barcelona was first place in the league. Yeah, they're actually winning. They're doing a good job, but they fired the guy because for the past two, three years, I don't know how long he's been there. He has not been able to maintain the same culture. Yeah, and keep that DNA. Exactly, yeah. it's because the DNA was changing. They got rid of it. I wasn't born with that DNA. I fell in love with that DNA, yeah. that Barcelona DNA, and I firmly believe it's like the best of the best are doing it. We can do it too, and then we fi we find ways to implement that. I want to be around people that, ha that, that believe in endless possibilities. People that will look, I want to be around you, knowing that you can look at a kid right now and start thinking, you know what, if I have that boy, I can turn him into the next Messi. Mm -hmm. And not people that are looking at kids going, you know what, can he pay? Yeah, bring him over here. It's just a different mentality. And, you know, when you say that, people you throw that, like, phrase around all the time, like, Oh, your kid's not going to be the me next Messi. It's not realistic. Even like the Federation is saying things like that. And it's like, well, obviously there's never going to be anyone like Messi. But it's just a, 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 a phrase. It's a term. You know, it's, it's just a, a way to relate it to what we're actually after, which is developing players into world-class talents. It is actually possible. That is a real thing. You can do that, but it takes a lot of practice. And not just practice, but the right practice. Well, it, people that say you can never be the next Messi, they're entirely right. You can never be the next Messi. I tell our boys every time, you will never be as good as me. You will never be as good as the next guy. Never. It's impossible. Not because I'm better than you, Sean, you and I, you will never be as good as me. Hmm. I'll never be as good as you. Not because one of us is better than the other, but simply because we are different human beings. Yeah. You can never be as good as me, but you can be the greatest Sean possible. I can never be as good as you. All I'm trying to do is be the greatest Pedro I can possibly be. So I'm not looking to develop the next Messi. I'm looking at my boys. I want you to become the greatest you. I want you to be because when you, when we look when we talk about greatness, it's all about perception. Mm -hmm. Messi is phenomenal. Some people fight you if you say Messi is better than Ronaldo and vice versa. I think Ronaldo was the greatest of all time. It's all about perception. The question is, can you become good enough to where you are even in that conversation? Today, I look at all these kids over here. Yeah, we don't have the culture that is in Africa, South America, Europe, and all that. We can create that culture. Can we look at all these kids that really believe, you know what? You're not going to be messy. But you're going to be the greatest Bobby possible. You're going to be so damn good, people forget about Messi. But if we look at all these kids and we just think, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah we, you're, not, you're not like the kids in Europe. You're not like the kids in South America. There's one of my favorite quotes. If you look at people for what they are now, they become worse. But if you look at them for what they could be, 
than that they, should, that they would become. We keep looking at them for what they are right now. We limit them. But if we start thinking, you know what? Bobby comes over here today. Can't kick the damn ball. Can't even move. But you know what? He's a human being. Messi wasn't born playing soccer. He had to learn. You know what? I can make that kid better. You talked about the right practice. Very important components. You can practice all you want. But if you don't have this part, if you don't believe in what, even if you're doing it correctly, if you do not believe in what you're doing, if you do not believe in that kid, that kid ain't going nowhere. You're right. And that's, that's, that's the money statement right there. Everything that you just said, and I think that it, it kind of brings everything together full circle is, you know, for them to get the right practice, you have to be the best coach you can be. And so you setting yourself on that path, you attempting to become the best you can be is forgetting about everyone else and just attempting to become the best Pedro, not the best Sean, not the best anybody else. It's just about you and your journey. And that then reflects on everyone that you lead and is a major reason why I wanted you know to work with you so bad. We've been meeting for uh, a long time now and have developed a close relationship just you know, with no agenda other than just sharing ideas and information and insights. And it's helped both of us kind of think about things in a different way. But being able to actually work directly with you on the pitch every day has been an honor. And, you know, I'm looking forward to continuing to develop that side of things. And so, you know, with that said, going forward with Allegiance, with FF Premier, what are what are some of the things that you really hope to accomplish within the next year or, you know, beyond? Really, for the next 10 years until my 2019, my youngest boys right now, and we've added 2010s and youngest, for the next 10 years, my mind is set on growth. We just started working together. You probably don't even realize I'm observing you in practice. I want to see, okay, how does he walk? How does it talk? When you talk, what do you say? What kind of tone do you have? So it's just set on growth, learning as much as possible from everyone. I learned a lot. I talk about Armando a billion times. I learned a yeah. lot from Armando. And then I went and did my coaching clinics. And I look at Coach Gary Williamson talk. And I just love the way he talk, his tone. So then I picked up his tone. So now when I talk to my boys, my tone changes. My mind goes automatically to Gary Williamson. Yeah. So I just want to learn. Because, you know, I forgot who it is that said, but the universe evolves on ideas. I had to pick up some of your ideas, some of his ideas and her ideas, and just trying to come up with a better or a greater, what's the word, what's the word? Uh, so from, formulate my ideas based on other ideas. Mm -hmm. So it's just really growing as much as possible, learning, developing, and as I'm doing, uh, continue to help others develop as well, because if I learn and learn and learn and learn, but don't share that with anyone, then I'm just stealing. Yeah. But if I am learning and passing it around to more people, then you know what? I'm helping the community. Absolutely. And that's really the greater goal is continue to learn and continue to pass on that knowledge that I'm acquiring from you and everyone else around so that we can make our players better, our teams better, our clubs better, and continue to go from there. After, the, after that, time, that timeline, 10 years, my goal is really to go out there and become a professional coach. I don't want to be just a professional coach. I want to be the best coach. Mm -hmm. I want to go out there and replicate what Pep Guardiola did. 
I want to replicate what Klopp is doing, what Sir Alex Ferguson did. And by taking all of those pieces, you're forming the new Evaldo Pedro's philosophy. And so that's that's the biggest thing. And, and you know, it, it's I wish all coaches had that mentality because if we did, then this, this industry would be a whole different place. A lot of coaches want to, you know, there are some that don't want to learn at all. You know, they're set in their ways. They've been coaching for 40 years. This is the way that it's going to be, and nothing's going to change. Then there are some that do want to learn from other people um, and try to develop themselves, but then they're not willing to share what they've learned, so they're just keeping it with themselves. You know, they're not sharing it with their players because they're not putting what they've learned into practice. They're not sharing it with other coaches because they're afraid that they're going to steal their ideas, and so it just stops with them. But the beauty of it is whenever you can take what you've learned and, and help others to grow along with you. I understand when people uh, try to keep themselves from sharing their ideas, especially because of the culture that we live in. There's so much uh, focus on the financial part of it that you want to always be perceived as the best, but you continue to make the most money. I've run into a lot of altercations because of the way I chose to share things. For instance, uh, we, we, I post a lot of videos of mm -hmm. my team's playing, and there are a lot of reasons for why I post those videos online. A big reason for that was really to share and help the community. I could be completely wrong, but one thing I noticed when I got into coaching, even when I was playing, is that the standard here is you are considered a great coach if you are winning a lot. Which is great. If you're not, then you're nobody. But how are you winning? Yeah. If you're winning a lot and you're just kicking the ball all over the place and the kids are not really getting that much better, then are you really successful? Because we are talking about the youth stage. We're working with kids. So you can win a thousand games, but if your kids don't get better, then what are you doing? So they have to look, you know what? I think we're looking at this completely wrong. Because we'll go to games and we're looking at the number one team. That team is supposed to be the number one team in the state. I get on a car. You know what? I read somewhere that's the number one team. Let me go watch the number one team. And you go watch the number one team. And that ball is in the sky. It's like you're watching a tennis match. <laughs> so then I start thinking, all right, that's one way of playing the game. That's a very business approach. It gets the results. At the youth stage, it, it works. But if we want to develop the next generation, if you want to help the community, there are different ways of doing things. So then I figure, you know what, what I'm doing is working at a great pace. Let me put that out there. Let me show to the community that if we can do this, you can do it too. Absolutely. If you're not doing it, it doesn't mean you're doing bad. It's just that I just want you to realize that there's a different way. So then we start putting the videos out there, and there was a lot of conflict. A lot of people got upset because they thought, oh, you're showing off, you're trying to embarrass us, and blah, blah, blah. People trying to sue and all kind of stuff. And then we had other coaches, though. Now we talk on a weekly basis. Guys are saying, you know, hey, just like I did. I went to people and I asked for help. And they helped me. Now there are guys that come up and say, hey, how do you do that? Can you help me with this? What do you do at practice? Like, hey, by all means, you know yeah. what? Here you go. Take the whole thing. That's how we first connected. And Even if we're winning more than your teams right now, I still have to be smart enough to know that I don't know everything. There's a lot that you know that I do not know, and I want to learn it out. There are a lot of things that your kids might do on field, on the field, whether you guys worked on it or not. 
if you, if I go watch your game, and I go to your game thinking, ah, these kids are not good. Uh, I'm not going to get anything. I'll right. be criticizing the whole time, and I'll waste my time. But if I go to the game knowing that, you know what, I'm going to watch a game. I'm going there to learn. And I'll focus on learning. Someone, somewhere will do something that you guys worked on that will be very helpful. And a kid might do something without realizing what he's doing. It's completely unintentional. And that will spark something in my brain that will help me. Yeah. So then I reach out to him thinking, man, you guys are doing a phenomenal job. I want to learn. I want to learn. I want to learn from everybody. There's always something that you can learn from everyone if we can put the ego to the side. Of course. The moment we start thinking that we, we're the shit, we know it all, we're screwed. Yeah. But at the same, at the same time, we don't want to surround ourselves with people that are limiting themselves. Because we become a part of their limitations. We want to be around people that believe in consistent growth and are always looking to evolve and adapt. So that I got to you, Sean, hey, I know what you're doing with this stuff. And then hopefully you can pick up something from me as well. But I also want to know that when I get to you next time, you're going to tell me, yeah, yeah, well, we stopped doing that like three years ago. Now yeah, we're doing this. There's something new to learn. Exactly. I, I love watching Pep Guardiola. And I keep looking at how much he's changing consistently. People are still trying to catch up to what he was doing four years ago. Yeah. And he's already doing something different. And you can stop and wonder, why is it changing when he's won so much with that? You got to continue to evolve. You got to continue to adapt. And, you know, when we train our kids to, to play this way, obviously when they go on and play for other coaches, they might be put into different systems where, hey, it is more about playing direct or, you know, maybe we are focusing more on the, the transitional play, you know, getting the ball in behind defenders quicker or pressing the ball when we lose it quicker or, you know, just anything different from what they have already learned. But with the way that we're teaching these kids to play – it allows them to adapt to any kind of system as they get into college and professional level of play. And that's one of those things where I always tell my boys, uh, we all sevens play 35 minute half, 70 minutes game, and I tell them with 70 minutes, I want to average at least 500 passes. We have to get at least 500 passes every single game at minimum. That involves a lot of short passes. Mm -hmm. But now over the past month, We've been focusing strictly on driving the ball long. Yeah. And some of the kids are looking at me like, what? how are we going to get 500 passes when we're driving the ball long? Right. You need to be able to adapt and be smart and not allow your system to kill you. Mm -hmm. So now, there's a big difference between you just kicking the ball there and you intentionally looking at your teammate making a run and driving the ball 40 yards from one place to land right on his foot regardless of where he's running. But also keeping in mind that I'm not going to have these kids forever. The idea is to help them accomplish their goals. At some point, they're going to have to go somewhere else. And I don't want you to think that the game is just about you passing here. Because when you go there, if they say play along, and you really want to be there and have to be there, and you can't play along, you're screwed. Yep. You're going to be it. frustrated. That's so now, it. we have to start adapting now. Hey, this next six months, we're going to focus on making you the absolute very best at driving the boss from point A to point B intentionally and accurately and that goes away from what we're saying but you also have to adapt even though you're going to be playing more driven balls you are, you still have to to reach your goal mm -hmm. but if we don't adapt and evolve man we'll go we'll go backwards that's what this life is about man yes indeed yes indeed well listen we're already uh you know well over an hour here so 
Uh, as we kind of wrap up this episode, there you know are a few questions that I wanted to ask you, um, just to kind of close it out. So the first question is, what are the biggest challenges you faced along your journey, and how have you overcome them? I think the hardest moment so far is really being the early days of childhood, being born in a country that was still struggling, dealing with a war, and living in under living conditions that were not ideal, ideal for anyone really, and just, you know, seeing dead bodies in the streets on a daily basis, and just not having enough to eat. Those were moments that really made life very difficult, but those difficult moments helped me become the person that I am today. It helped me appreciate each and every moment, every second a lot more. And just have a different perspective about life. I'm not quite sure how that happened. But luckily for me, it happened and it has, it has been a blessing. So those sacrifices early on in life are um, truly, truly grateful for them. Yeah, and that gratitude is so important, man. You, you can never be truly happy unless you're happy with where you are right now. You always need to have that ambition to be something greater. I think that's important, obviously, but... If you're not content and happy with how you are now and who you are now, you'll never be happy once you reach your goals that you set out for yourself. Um, so, you know, why do you think then a lot of people fail? Why do they not accomplish those goals that they have set? I think a lot of time people fail because of the obsession with success. I think that and I've heard, I think it was Dr. Miles Moreau in a, on a video recently talking about if you want to succeed, don't try to succeed. If you want to succeed, focus on growth. Focus on enjoying the journey. Focus on making yourself the very best you can. If you just focus on accomplished success, then you're more likely to skip a lot of steps. And you're so obsessed with wanting to reach that last step that you skip everything else in between. And everything else in between is important. But also having that resilience. If you want to accomplish your goals, you cannot go out there thinking that it's going to be right there right away. Mm -hmm. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be a lot of obstacles. You're going to fail a lot. How do you deal with those failures? You start today, I want to open a business today. You might lose everything that you invested in that business. Does that then give you a reason to stop? Or does that give you motivation to continue to work on it? Yeah. It really, I always tell my boys, I appreciate it when we lose games. I appreciate it when I fail because when I fail, I get to go home and take the night off. Meaning that I'll stay up the whole night thinking about what did I do? What did I say? How did I say? How did I do it? And really think of every single step in the journey so that I can figure out exactly what I did wrong so that when I get back to doing it again, I get to do it. I like You're ready. Better. You're ready. Yeah, I think that's crucial, man. Like creating in your mind the the what you want to see in yourself before it actually happens, and putting yourself in that emotional state. And that only happens from developing yourself. You know, they 
you know, people talk about like trying to find a significant other, right? You're not just going to go out and find them if you just keep on looking. A lot of times you find them when you're not looking. You're just focused on, you know, being the best that you can be. And it just happens naturally and organically. And those are usually the, the more successful relationships. When it's forced, you know, whenever you're just looking for someone that can give you something, then it never works out the way that you really want. So, you know, I think that's extremely important, like, you know, making sure that you stay focused on not just the end goal, but taking the steps that you need to take to get to that end goal and not getting so caught up in just the win or loss, you know, success or failure, because failure is an inevitable step towards success. You have to go through it. It's absolutely necessary. You want to succeed, set your goal. And then forget about the end result and just focus on making yourself better every single day. Appreciate every step in the journey. Every single day, you aim to be better than you were yesterday. And when you fail, take advantage of it. Appreciate it. Don't get down. Take advantage of it. It's an opportunity to grow. Yeah. If it's too easy, it's going to be bad later on. So you have to appreciate the failure, look forward to failure, and not quit when it gets hard. It's going to be hard. It's supposed to be hard. Mm -hmm. But we fail because we are so eager to do it that we skip steps. Absolutely. And we start cheating. Can't cheat the game. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So then on the flip side of that, why does, or sorry, what does success mean to you? Two things. Growing. Continue to improve every single day and helping others improve every single day. Anything else to me, it's a bonus. Some people define success as uh, financial stability. To me, I was born in a, in a society that, where money was scarce. Money does not come with you. Money will not go with you. So we have to find better ways to define success. Luckily, it's one of those things where helping others is a passion and growing. If you really want to help others, you have to become better. Armando always tell me, before you can give, you got to have. I can't give you information if I don't have knowledge. Mm-hmm. So then just growing as much as possible and then helping others as much as possible. That to me is the most successful thing anyone can do. I, I agree. And I think that a lot of people have... A hard time with that or they struggle with that belief because it's not tangible it's not you know it's not measurable they can't see it they can't you know feel the moment that they've reached a certain level like it's just it's you just got to keep going it's every day you know you continue to add on to it and that d- daily discipline without it like you don't reach that point that you're looking for but you know, it's hard for people to, I guess, develop that mindset because they are looking for that gratification of achieving something. And with what you're saying, there is no daily gratification. Like, it's just, I mean, there is because you know that you're improving yourself, but the gratification comes down the road. So, I know this next question has been answered. You know, we've talked about it a lot during this episode, but. Um, who has maybe besides Armando and Pep, right? Because we already know that those are your biggest, you know, uh, supporters. But 
who has been your biggest inspiration? Maybe a player that you really like that you tried to like model your game after, or you know, even just someone else in your life that has been your your biggest influence. The kids, yeah. The kids that I had the opportunity to work with. I love it. I learned so much from them. They surprise me every single day. And because they continue to get better, like I have this intensity, I have the fire in me where I wanna go and I get it, I wanna get it done, and they match it. Mm. And sometimes they take it another notch. And sometimes they come up to me and we have an environment where they know that they have the freedom to come and ask questions and give ideas. And their ideas have been very helpful. So keeping an open mind to take to, to take on their ideas has helped me learn tremendously. So I look forward to being with them every single day. And I learn so much from them. That's fantastic. Yeah, sometimes we forget that, you know, sometimes our biggest influences are right in front of our eyes. And, you know, you just have to open them up and, 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 and take what you can get, you know. That's the only way that you can really give your best. Um, so... Going back, you know, let's say maybe when you first moved to the U.S. or when you first started playing soccer or, you know, whenever you went into to play in college or, you know, when you first got into coaching. Take any of those moments where you were beginning a new journey and give yourself a piece of advice that you wish you would have known at that time. I think it would be one of the things that you mentioned, finding the balance a lot sooner. When I uh, started spending so much time into trying to learn everything at once, I learned a lot, but it was also very costly for my health. I wish back then I knew how to have a better balance because one of those things where if you have too much fun, you're going to be broke and you're going to suffer whatever you do. Mm -hmm. If you are too serious, you're going to be bored and you're going to have a lot of problems. Yep. I did not know that then. I did not know that four years ago. So that I had no balance. My life was filled home, filled home, filled home. So then that ended up costing me. So if I could reverse time, I'd do the same thing, but just have a better balance. And I try to learn everything at once. It, it's impossible. But back then, I believe it was possible. Yeah. It's amazing. So as we wrap up, what message, what's the main thing that you want to kind of, that, peop, that you want people to take away from your story? The thing is really just, there are no limitations. Uh, I heard Romano say once, each generation coming up is smarter than the previous generation. Don't limit the kids. The kids can and will be better than us. If the professionals are doing, if anyone out there is doing something, then the kids can do it too. But us being the coaches as leaders, if we do not believe it becomes very difficult for them to reach that goal. So 
So we have to eliminate those limitations that we place on ourselves so that we don't place it on them. Mm-hmm. Believe, 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 believe in yourself. Yeah. Believe that you can do anything out there. If anyone has done it, you can literally accomplish it. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult, but it's not impossible. Believe in you. Believe in anyone out there and just try. You might fail a thousand times. Try it, try it, try it, try Somebody did it. You can do it too. And if somebody did it and you're blessed enough to work with kids, the kids can do it too. But you have to believe and you have to give them the opportunity. Don't limit them. Boom. Right there. That's all you needed to say. I couldn't have said it better myself, man. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I know that we could continue talking, you know, as long as we wanted to. And we'll definitely do this again sometime. But, you know, I just wanted to say that it's been truly an honor and a blessing to have the opportunity to work with you every day. And I'm just looking forward to continuing to develop this relationship uh, because I think, you know, we kind of need each other. You know what I mean? We need we need to surround ourselves with more people like ourselves to bring the best out in ourselves. And um, yeah, it's just been amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Um, how can people get in touch with you uh, if they want to be a part of, you know, Allegiance, if they want to come uh, be a part of FF Premier? Like, how can people reach you? No, it's so easy, man. Look up our Facebook page, Instagram page for Allegiance FC. Allegiance FC well, on Facebook. FF Premier Semi Pro Team. We're doing a phenomenal job, getting better every single day. And come out to our games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, stop wasting your money on other games. Come out to our game. It's it's amazing. Hey, definitely the best brand of football in the league for sure. You're not gonna find a better, you know, environment in terms of just watching high level soccer. So. You stayed in the league. I think you meant to say in Texas. Well, I would say in the whole UPSL league. That's what I was referring to. I would say in the whole Texas, absolutely no exceptions. Yeah. I think we have the best quality of soccer in the entire state of Texas. I can't say in the country because I have not seen everyone out there. Sure. But while we are now a professional entity, we are doing something absolutely phenomenal. And bring your kids. Yeah. Come watch it. Definitely. By the time you guys hear this, it may already be past our fall season. Um, but our next season will be coming up in March. So definitely make plans to come see us play. We'll be playing our games at uh, UTD and Richardson. So, Pedro, again, thanks so much for your time, my man. Well, thank you. We'll definitely do it again sometime. And um, for those of you listening, thanks again for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. And we'll catch you next time. Peace.